Hello, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to discuss codependency versus compassion, compassion versus codependency. And uh, today in Mayan is? Three, a how. A how is the tribe of enlightenment or universal fire. And being a tone three day, it's a tone of service. And since it's about enlightening and enlightenment, it's about being of service in your enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the uh, glyph, the uh, translation of the glyph in this form is I activate in order to enlighten bonding life. And um, this is a description of what's been going on in your life today. Uh, as it is a very much uh, universal, galactic, planetary information, and uh, to straighten out um, sealing the matrix of universal fire with the electric tone of service. That's so true. Yeah, and uh, so that is what we've been doing. And you can, uh, if you translate your, if you, when one chooses the serious study of the Mayan calendar, Every day there's a translation of the day's energy into a, a, it's all in English and some of the words have very specific and different definitions from what we're used to. Mm -hmm. But you can see how this thing just is so accurate. Yeah, you know, I'd like to um, start, as we start off the discussion of tonight's topic, uh, utilize a Mayan construct because I think it's very useful here. And that is the individual consciousness, the community consciousness, planetary consciousness, and galactic consciousness. And each of the tribes fall into one of those categories, starting out with the first four, the second four, or five, yeah. um, in, in those different, uh, or five, four, because we've got the matrix as well. But mm -hmm. the idea of personal self-consciousness, when we go and explore our spirituality, it always begins, and it ultimately ends back with the one, starts with the illusionary one, ends with the true awareness one, which is everything, instead of the isolated one at the beginning. And then we go through community consciousness. And it's in that place between the individual consciousness and the community consciousness that we enter into the idea of compassion. Mm -hmm. and the unhealed thing of codependency and what the difference is. Mm -hmm. And true compassion is ultimately extremely loving, and it takes you all the way through the different layers of individual, community, uh, planetary, and galactic, and back to the oneness again. Codependency, rather, keeps you separate, and it keeps you in the illusionary oneness. And so many people over the years, including myself, I've asked these same questions, is how do I tell the difference between being compassionate for someone and how do I draw that line so that I'm not codependent? And therefore, I think this would be a very valuable thing to discuss. Yeah, I want to preamble a little bit with the idea of, uh, of taking into account the history of our family rather than race, the history of the we. The human family. Yeah, the human family, and its evolution in this way. When we lived in clans, and there was not yet individual consciousness, but the group together had um, a unity consciousness of the clan, and then, of course, clan A versus clan B, uh, and to keep us from wiping ourselves out, we invented clan C, now known as the government. Uh, the, the 
clan that would agree to do mediation between any of the other two clans. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, birds were named after that, by the way. You've heard of the two clan bird. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so in the recent, more recent history, the political, when we were, um, we were not, but the consciousness, the idea of mankind had been um, Eurocentric, had been based on Europe being the and we're still dealing with that one, but it expanded. It went to the other continents on out. And so this consciousness is always expanding. We, the human um, family, has been expanding its yeah. consciousness right from the start. And then um, there was, in my mind, a major upgrade in far more recent history with the harmonic convergence, where we went from what had been, it had been the age of individualism, and everyone's ego was really revved up, to as fluffy as an ego can possibly get. And, and of course, there were wars and uh, every other kind of conflict involved in that. But after the harmonic convergence, I believe there was a great many human beings that went from individual consciousness into uh, the idea of partnership consciousness, which is well, uh, rarely spoken of, but still is a part of consciousness. That's an interesting concept. I, I would. I would say that <coughs> I agree it, what you had started talking about. I have a couple comments. In other words, sure. the idea that we did all originate as far as the physicalness of us all in Africa, and there were certain migrations, and one came out and went down the coast of India and down to Australia, mm -hmm. which is uh, right. the closest to the Bushmen mm -hmm. that are, uh, I, I believe that's, what they're, um, they're called yeah, yeah. in, in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, no, um, in Africa, mm -hmm. and then the Bushmen in Australia. Mm -hmm. That was the first migration out. Then there was a second and a third and a fourth. And it, what was interesting is the European migration didn't go directly over to Europe. It went via the Central Asia and up and back down through Scandinavia and Finland and everything. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of DNA testing that you can get to see which one, uh, which migration you were a part of, which I think is so interesting, this DNA tracking, because what it shows you is we are all one family. Yeah, exactly. And the oneness, anything that teaches separation is automatically not a truth. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was just a, a wonderful way that science was showing that too. Mm -hmm. And, and the idea of, um, you were talking about something else, too. Well, recognizing that there is one family. If you Correct. take anyone, uh, you can tell their exact level of consciousness. You say to anyone, uh, how many families are there on Earth? And if they pause and have no comment, they're, they're, they're wiring things together. You can tell. It's just not there. And then if you, you don't have to say anything, you just go. And either they'll go, oh, what was I thinking? or know you're insane, well, which you, will tell you the exact level that they are playing from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you even study genetics, you can see how um, skin evolved lighter to capture more vitamin D because that was in the north and there, there wasn't yeah. as much. The skin was covered all the time because mm -hmm. of the temperature. And the different traits we have evolved from our environment. Oh, yeah. And it would be we have clues about our spiritual oneness all over the place. <coughs> but when we get to that, pl that place of codependency, I feel 
what, where that entered in is this idea that we have original sin, that we're born evil, that some part of us, there's something wrong with us. And that what that then does is it puts our self-love outside of us. If, if we didn't love ourselves, if we had the permission to love ourselves directly, we wouldn't be loving ourselves vicariously through someone else. We therefore would not require manipulation. Guilt would go away because we wouldn't feel responsible for the other person's happiness either. And then the true compassion would reveal itself in each moment. Very different world to live in. Uh, just the history of 256 AD, a college of cardinals met and coined the phrase original sin. And from then on, Madonna had a job. Prior to that, not so much. Prior to that, uh, th and this was to make children guilty. I understand. Of existing. It's control, yeah. Yeah, and it's just an absurd game to play, and it's only slightly out of hand at this point. Uh, a correct answer is guilt makes the world go round. Because, uh, and, and I'll say this to people, <coughs> the future, the civilization we're building on Earth will be a money-free, a lot of them can go for that. And then I say guilt-free. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, just stops it dead. Well, we've been talking of that concept for over oh, a decade yeah, now. And i got to say, we've had so many phone calls where people say, if you get rid of guilt, you're going to have a crime-ridden yeah. environment. And my concept, first of all, it's not guilt over did you steal the cookie out of the cookie jar. It's guilt consciousness, mm -hmm. which assumes that everything is your responsibility and that you're yes. messing up. Mm -hmm. And so then we turn inward and attack ourselves instead of turn outward and mm -hmm. spread love. Mm -hmm. But the idea of guilt does not prevent crime. It actually causes crime. Exactly. Yeah. Because if we felt c totally at peace, lovable, and contained, we would not feel the need to reach out for something that we wouldn't feel lacking, so we wouldn't reach out for it in whatever yeah. the dysfunctional path yeah, is. A lot of that's becoming literary. There are a number of uh, books uh, discussing all that. Now, uh, the compassion, which is a very mm -hmm. interesting word because the, uh, the word is compass, action, compassion, compass. And it's spelled correctly in the word, which I believe is unheard of. Usually you have to look through the spelling to get this. So, and there is the expression, a moral compass. Yes. Okay, which you are born with, regardless of whether you're a psycho killer or a, a librarian, whatever the opposite of that might be. Everyone has this compass that's guiding them, and that is what compassion is about. Now, co-dependence, and we're saying that's not, the, the two terms are related, mm -hmm. but co-dependence is just dependence. It's just not the way it works. The first thing that guilt does in anyone uh, is take away their ability to self-correct. That's the first thing that goes when we, we, we come here without guilt, we really come in a state of not guilty. And then this is superimposed on us from the beginning of our life. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you do is uh, you have to ask someone if you have permission to. But you can do it yourself. Uh, how many people do you have to tell, take your finger out of the fire, you're burning yourself. You don't have to tell anyone that. You automatically self-correct. Well, that would be for all things all the time. This ability to self-correct is inherent in us. But the guiltier you are, the less ability you have to self-correct. It is absolutely that simple. So the bully in high school, uh, the person who's the rebel, the maverick in high school, 
is told all these rules and then has to fight against them. And that is just the attempt of the soul to get the ability to self-correct, to reinstate itself, except that it has gone from reaction. It's not even in response. It's just reacting to being told not to do it. I might or might not, but I'll make the decision. It won't be a reaction. It'll be thought out, you know, self-correction. Well, it's an assumption. It's an assumption that their power is outside of them. Yes, because exactly. you wouldn't be a bully or uh, a taker in that way mm-hmm. if you believe the power was inside. It's always an attempt to get that power back that they think that somebody that else power. has stolen. Yeah. Well, compassion, and here's where I feel, and, and those of you that have watched the show for a while, you may have heard me say this before, but I really do feel our spirituality in general is moving away from a lovingness and more into an intellectual construct. Yeah. Um, that's why I think that there are very many ways that the sense of harmonic convergence where things mm-hmm. have shifted. I also feel the biggest shift happened on October 31st, 2000, when you were on uh, Voice of America oh, yeah. at that time. That's, that's when I felt the shift, mm-hmm. when things really started changing. There was another shift, of course, a couple of years later mm-hmm. after we, we were invited to a lower frequency game. And we, some of us, chose to take take that on, and some of us chose not to, in the form of this uh, fighting that's continuing to go on Tara. in the world. But yeah, Terra. Terra. Terra crazy. That's actually a pronunciation of an ancient language word for the center of our galaxy, is pronounced Terra. Yeah, but it, Terra, Terra mm-hmm, firmness, well, the Earth as well. As well, so the miniature <coughs> version yeah. of it. Now, while we're still talking about shifts, just really briefly, <coughs> unless you were going to conclude. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say what I was going to say. Yeah, but go, go ahead. ahead. Well, the sh- the 2012 is just the next shift of consciousness for the higher vibrational human well, family. It That's is, all there is it to is it. It is true. Yeah. Something that moves quicker. The the shift points are going to be closer together than something that moves slower. Mm-hmm. And there is a vibration. If you feel your body and just put your awareness into the physical form and to the spirit form, you can feel there's a a vibrational frequency Mm -hmm. and it is getting faster. And that's why things of this nature are coming closer and closer together. But I feel that right now, if we say it's 2012, fine. If we say it's in a few years from now, that's fine. Whenever that is, that the next shift or change is really back to focusing on the oneness again because when we focus on our lack, that imp- we're focusing on our separateness. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at everything as being one, then you're separate from nothing, so there is no lack. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling a lack of any kind, that means you are not connecting with the oneness. And we do go through that physical consciousness of personal, and then we go through the uh, community consciousness where we we do get into the place where we volunteer. We enter into that selfless place where it's no longer about us. It's about the collective us. And we give and we take. And a lot of people see that as deconstructing the ego. I don't see it that way. Uh, I feel our ego is on our side and a good thing to have. But what that does is it transcends the identity of self, therefore transcending a lot of our personal fears. Then it gets into the planetary consciousness, and we start looking throughout time and things that 
that we can move, ways we can move that will move the whole collective with us. And then we get into the galactic version of that. When we get into the community consciousness, like I was saying earlier, I feel like that's when a lot of us butt our heads against the wall, where we will feel this compassion and it gets intermingled with the guilt of oblige and codependency, and then it becomes sucking us dry. And I would say one of the signatures that you can tell compassion from codependency is compassion is always funded and fueled by your soul, by your heart, and by the universe, and it doesn't drain you. Well, an axiom um, that we'd like to put forth is the idea that um, all um, enabling Uh, pardon me, I've forgotten. <laughs> well, it's something to do. First, I wanted to say about the ego, the reason the ego was invented and that we are so uh, miraculously branded with it is that the ego is truly the engine of the evolution. In other words, we agreed to be separate in order to create experience, in order to have response to the experience. And the response to the experience is adaptation, and a synonym for adaptation is evolution. So in that sense, the ego is our friend in that it is assisting us to assist God to get the entire thing to evolve, to get the entire thing to move. And that is one of the things that we're doing here. And that's also why we have forgotten everything that we know when we come here, which is an interesting choice to make. Would you agree to forget everything you know in order to incarnate on, on the planet Earth? Well, yes, we all made that decision. So... Well, I said yes, but I left clues for myself Yes, everywhere. we do. And that's another whole show. That, that's a good show topic, the clues you left for yourself. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, That's, that's um, the way I see a lot of our divination tools and various other techniques and things. Is these are clues I've left for myself. And I go from one thing to another, discovering pieces of me. And every time I have an interaction with another person, I see another clue as to who I really am in their eyes. Uh -huh. Ultimately, this carries us back to the memory of the oneness. And until we can get that oneness within ourselves, each of us, there'll always be a separation to the cosmic oneness of all of us. So if we were to all take very sacred our journey of loving ourselves unconditionally, and to do that, you have to take the fear, guilt, doubt, and worry out of the equation, and you have to understand why it's there and then remove it, Mm -hmm. um, until we get there, we're going to continue to fight with each other. Every mm -hmm. external fight is a reflection of an internal fight. Every hug, a, a loving, kind act, is a reflection of a lo loving, kind act inside. And it's not the other way around. We were taught that if we lived in this torture and de deprivation and self-punishment, that then we would be loving to the other people. And it's a false construct. It's like saying that this flame is over and sitting above the log and they're not connected. They're, they are connected. What comes out has to be fueled by what's inside or we feel very depleted. And so our body tells us that. If you're having somebody that's expecting a lot of you and there's this guilt oblige and you think they hold some power over you, take that step back and say, is this being fueled? And that'll be your answer right there. And uh, the axiom I was thinking of a few moments ago is all enabling is compassion and not all compassion. Did I get that right yet? No. Yeah? What is it again? All compassion 
Um, so it's tricky, but it's true. So all in other compassion words, is not enabling. Compassion is not always in, to enable, and enabling is not compassion. So when we say, I'm going to enable this guy to keep drinking, that's not compassionate, that's enabling. But my compassion may be to buy some alcohol for that person if he's going through DTs, and it may be to withhold the alcohol. So compassion sometimes enables and sometimes does not enable. But compassion knows what to do. Our heart always knows what's good for us and what's good for everybody in the equation. When the brain attempts to figure it out, that's when we enter into cogs tightening up or yeah, jamming yeah. up, rather. Uh, ever constantly so, yeah, that we bring this up. So before the, uh, by the way, before the calls begin, I'd like to just, uh, I'm going to be teaching a class called Charisma, which I've been working on for a good... Charisma. Charisma, yes. Charisma. You must, you must roll the R. And I was going to do the uh, least bit of an introduction to it so people can get an idea of uh, how interested they are in this. So the idea of the charisma, a class on charisma is, of course, uh, to enable you to be in a position to acquire the attributes of someone who is charismatic. It is the point. And um, one of the, uh, the exercises appear in my head, and if I'm on it, I'll write them down. And, and so I just wanted to do the one. Uh, which is that if we were to uh, go on that magic journey back in time, a very great distance, uh, into the mythos of the, the history of the human family, uh, we could go back far enough um, prior to the invention of names, prior to, because everybody would just know everyone. It wouldn't be like you were ever going to meet a stranger or anything like that. Uh, and so the idea of having a name would not be the same thing. So I'd like you to, in your mind, perhaps for a moment, close your eyes and go back in time and meet someone uh, that we, we, we would just call no name. And I'd like you to think about the sort of personality no name would have. It would not be void of personality. What sort of attributes would this person have? How would you describe their path? How would you describe their life? What is it that they would do? They would be in total innocence, for one, and if you wish to call in and comment upon that, if that's stimulating to you in your thinking, and I would talk far more about that in the class because that's a whole method of understanding um, the games we play that are uh, so close to us that we don't see these games or how they are played. Well, I think um, that's a beautiful exercise. And even maybe a step further than that is to think of yourself if you didn't have a name. Well, that would be the next step, or, yeah. Or whatever. Or in a world without names, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, but that's, just, yeah. just to think of yourself without a name is, is kind of really an interesting concept. It is, yeah. That would be uh, the beginning of this concept that I'd like to introduce mm -hmm. uh, to get us to have a completely different set in uh, the way in which we relate to our fellow man. And uh, uh, it goes on and on. I'd start... Um, teaching the class, but I know people will be uh, calling in shortly. So this idea of compassion versus the codependence. And so the striving that we have, see, the, um, we always name the age after it's been done. Freud invented the term um, uh, ego, superego, id, etc. Freud, Freud more or less coined consciousness but it was after consciousness had come to exist. So as we become um, 
independent from each other, the, the age of individualism, which is now eroding into the past as we are, as a group, becoming partner conscious, community conscious, planetary conscious, galaxy conscious, as we move into these higher realms, we tend to tag them with a term that puts them in the past, like consciousness, which I know we've spoken hundreds of thousands of times. Uh, If we go back as far as Shakespeare, um, Shakespeare was not just a great poet that happened to, you know, set words into um, plays. He was just speaking what was common language. It was common to speak in rhyme couplets in the reality that Shakespeare lived in. He was no different than any writer you're going to find today in the sense that oh, you'll have all this lingo that you use and you want to sound hip and all the rest of that. And yes, he polished the language, I'm not going to argue, but everybody thought in rhyme couplets. And that is a characteristic of the uh, reptilian brain, the amygdala, the, the very deep part of the brain. And, and we, could, we could, you know, name a rhyme couplet like plop, plop, whiz, whiz, oh, what a relief it is. If you know what I'm talking about, I know that you're more than 50 years old. Uh, if I sing the McDonald's song, um, you know, um, or good things begin to happen once a day, every day, good night, and you'll tell me you're in your 40s, and et cetera, et cetera, where these ads that were all done in rhyme couplets to affect the deep subconscious to get you to buy product, okay, well, that, there was no consciousness in Shakespeare's day. Everybody was still at that point. And so when Freud came along and, and coined consciousness, it had already been in existence. It's not like coining it made any difference. And we, for years, we did the exercise. Take that place in, your, in well, you where you make decisions and move it to the top of your head, uh, above the top of your head, and make decisions from up there for a while, and your whole consciousness will expand. Well, well, ten years the, ago, we did that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of the, the things that naming does is it grounds it into the physical reality dimension uh-huh to gain traction or to get a hold of that in some way. Um, so naming it does manifest it. Mm-hmm. In the beginning there was the word. It, yeah. It's a very powerful tool to name yeah. it. It's very important not to name things that you don't wish to have in your reality. Uh, not as so a many people know that. But the idea of compassion, I, I'd like to take this opportunity to tie it into empathy and the empathetic self uh, when we see somebody hurting, if you look back in the Old Testament days where it was rules, hard, fast rules, we had to have rules in order to not hurt each other, and then the metaphor uh, of the Christ consciousness energy coming and saying, I don't take those rules away, but I give you something greater, and it's just love each other as you would love our se- yourself. I feel we are now going through this era of that didn't work because we didn't love ourselves and we were doing it, treating each other exactly as we would treat ourselves and that wasn't very pleasant. So now it's a matter of going and, and loving ourselves. And what happened at, around that time is we became very, uh, the Christ consciousness time of love each other as you would love yourself, is we were given the power of empathy and compassion, which means if somebody was lying there with a, a hurt leg, you could say, ah, you know what? I, if my leg were hurt, I would feel such and such. Let me help him. So it was utilizing the love of self in order to have the compassion for the other person. If I couldn't love myself, 
lying there with a broken leg, then I certainly could not have compassion for another person. So it really is healing the love of self to be able to heal compassion and codependency. It's like we had the rules, you are guilty if you don't help this person, but we did not go through the route of love. So it wasn't funded and it became something very out of balance. So if you say, I love me so much that I would not do this to me, then you are going to not do that to another human being. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. In the time of the uh, Old Testament, mankind was still very childlike. Yeah, extremely. that was my theory. It was like the evolving of the consciousness that I've yeah, spoken yeah. for um, a long time. Yeah, and that's time. what we're saying. You yeah. can study history as, as, the, uh, as though an infant, when we were in the, in the clans, we were infants. There was not much uh, about that. We were dependent upon the Mother Earth for nourishment, as we are still. I'm not arguing that point. Uh, just uh, and then when Christ came along, I would say that it marked the beginning of the adolescence of the human race, uh, we as a group. And I'm uh, going to bet on the 2012 shift as being where we begin uh, the early um, adulthood of the human race. Mm -hmm. You know what? You know, at 2012 being the apogee, the farthest from the galactic center. Yeah. I think how that translates in human consciousness is that we are at the apogee of feeling separate. And now there's no way to sense. not yeah. feel separate. And the closer we get to unification and the least separate, and if you don't allow yourself to entertain any concept that you are different than any other human being, if you don't allow that in, uh, that illusion of separateness and don't hold that to be a truth and, and keep it going like oh that's my boss or he's rich or whatever these silly petty little things that we use to separate ourselves from others you're going to get more of that oneness you're going to be a more compassionate human being and you're going to find that other people will reflect that back to you and you will be changing the world every time we choose a thought we are contributing to the consciousness, the community consciousness, uh, the collective consciousness of the whole, all that is. That we, is the point. We are powerful. Well, our scientists, our scientists have proven that there is a jot of difference between any two human beings. You know, that we are 99.99999 percent all the same thing. Uh, the particular adaptation your ancestors made to their environment does not really have much to do with any of it because we are all the same thing. And so we can see ourselves as uh, uh, what national phobic. Uh, you know, in other words, if someone's from another nation, we have an attitude about that. And, you know, racism is self-explanatory. There's also ageism. There's, uh, there's just thousands well, of isms that we can just do away with. I remember the, the um, high school I went to and uh, was bitter rivals with the high school that was, what, five miles away, right? Uh, those people were aliens, and you could kill them at will because they were disposable humans because they were from Bergenfield. Those didn't, hi, Bergenfield, we love you. And well, yeah, just so how insane is that? Well, oh, but Canadians, ah, Canucks. Huh. Well, it's the whole thing that we um, got, we have it backwards, this idea of guilt. It reflects the mislove that we have going on inside. 
that we have to team up against something else in order to find yeah. love. Mm -hmm. Remember, if you love internally, completely, then the acting out of that love will be to love everyone else. If you have deep-seated anger and hatred at self based on this false illusionary construct of guilt, then you are going to hate the people outside of you. And I feel that this was the evil twin of love that we mm. were fed as love in the form of love and we called it love and we wrote love on there but it was really guilt and it was guilt oblige and it was mm -hmm. unfunded by love yeah. and so that reflects back and teaming up against so if you were to use that as a measure and you look at the people on the planet the uh, United States the Europe everywhere, and everything else and you see how they are acting out love mm -hmm. in the form of isolation separateness and teaming up against yeah. then you know that as a planet we have to learn how to love ourselves more and maybe that's why some of this nonsense has been going on to get people to get through that dysfunctional self the door, community yeah. self love yeah. into a functional community love so that we can have a galactic love well, again, history, uh, we define ourselves by what it is we take opposition to. Uh, so what comes to mind immediately is the charades, I mean the crusades, where we went to kill the heathens. And have you noticed there's more heathens than ever before? What is and a heathen? That's just it's somebody that heathes. Yes. Heathes. I think they're from Heath. Hmm? I Heath. think they're like Heath bars. That could be, yes. See? Yes. They hoard them. So they walk around like this trying to pick the heat bar out of their teeth all the time. Is that, that how you identify That explains a lot, yeah. yeah. That's how you can spot them. Yeah, okay. And the, the heath... Uh, a heave, heave ho. Yeah, heave, the rest of that. But so whatever it is you're opposing, you make it stronger. I mean, this is just an absolute fact of the universe. Whatever you place your attention on grows. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to oppose anything, we're going to grow it like that. So let's all oppose friendship and love and money and success. No, 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 no. And shung, there it is. Why don't we get out of doublespeak? That's, that's one thing. Well, that's inherent on this planet. If you remember 1984, but when yeah. I read that book, I realized that my family often would say, no, that's okay, you can have that, and then they would be upset about it. It was whatever was coming through on the surface. And I noticed that out into the world as I went out there. And so what we do to counterbalance the other is to make the opposite be true. As in, if you, how it stands now, if we say something positive and wonderful, oh, oh yes, this is going to turn out well, people think, oh no, it's going to be jinxed. I better say, no, it's going to turn out bad. Anyway, everything's gotten convoluted. I say we step out there and we say, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it'd be wonderful. Yeah. And as always, we're the live call-in show, so if you would like to call in, with any question about anything, pick up the phone. There's the numbers, though, by magic. Uh, and call us. We would be very happy to discuss whatever that is. And while I have this moment, I've, uh, this is the latest of the waveform objects. There, see, now we can see. Isn't it cute? It's a little one. And it's got an agate ball on it, and it's an obsidian. Uh, it's an agate ball. Yes, and it'll answer questions also, if you it's wish. It's a beautiful one. But, uh, yeah, the metal is called patent metal. It is on that uh, copper that is normally all the waveforms are made of. And in the 30s, uh, patent metal was patented, strangely enough, under the name patent metal. And it was to prevent oxidation. And if you have a truly antique uh, Zippo lighter, the inside of it will be made out of, will be coated with patent metal. It's only 
oh, a dozen atoms thick or so. And you can see the copper coming through it, but its use is to prevent um, oxidation from occurring, and it makes it look uh, very interesting, so not to be, whoa, what happened to the waveform? Uh, just a new, new version of the uh, uh, metal. Yeah. So we've been inspired about waveform generators lately. Hmm. Well, if you look at everything as being you, it's very easy to be compassionate yeah. if you love yourself. Mm -hmm. If you don't love yourself, then it becomes a burden or whatever. Oh, true enough. But one thing that I would use as a technique is if I had any kind of a conflict with another person, I panned back and I became both of those people. That that person and this person are both within me, they're both me. And it wasn't like I then went in there and said, okay, I'm going to choose this side over that side. I just sat and held that energy that both of these things were going on within me because they are. Mm -hmm. Every type of interaction we have with those around us, it is a reflection going on inside. So you can use it as an opportunity to say, I love myself unconditionally. Every time you think anger or judgment about somebody else, just turn around and say, I love that part of me. Let's say somebody's stirring their coffee cup and it's irritating you. Say, I love the way I stir my coffee. Um, because somewhere it was a guilt over you judging you, and that's why you're projecting it onto the other person to begin with. That's the one when you're a little kid, you say, I'll never drink coffee ever. That's ridiculous. I tasted it once. And then you're in your 20s and you cannot possibly get enough coffee. You know, I got to taste uh, coffee when I was a kid, and I thought it was delicious. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was incredibly um, repulsive taste mm. all the way around. Uh, so a correct answer is definitely the idea of right and wrong, the idea of duality, the idea of separation, the idea of individualism. Uh, all of these ideas is a correct answer. Another equally correct answer is that it is all one thing, that there is really no other person that there is really no other thing that is just all one, the God consciousness, absolutely. We are God, only we have forgotten we're God, and the language does a very good job of preventing us from remembering that we're God. And then the next step beyond that is that the duality is correct. You know, if you're going to build um, anything on this planet, it's going to have a positive and a negative pole in it. And uh, also that they're really the same thing, just at different times. And then the idea that um, unity and duality are correct, and I'm here, the Trinity. I'm here, the third point of view, that the first two are correct. And so that Trinity functioning is, and I'm going to tag it to 2012, where, oh, what, a dozen people become conscious like that, and then within a hundred years, that's a standard. Like, <clears throat> there is no human being, I believe, that cannot count to 20. And that would be the fingers and toes thing. Okay, so you could say on this planet it's standard that we can all count to 20. Okay, so, and, and we've been on this show um, talking about how uh, different levels of consciousness were expressed in different time slots. So we're about to move forward to aware, everybody is aware of duality. Everyone is aware, and we are already, so we've got that one checked off. And then uh, more and more and more of us are becoming aware that there's uh, one family on Earth. There is one, 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 one. Well, this uh, duality. And then to the idea of seeing both at the same time, one and duality. Mm -hmm. And well, that du could be the next thing. Go mm -hmm. ahead. Okay, you done?
Yeah. Okay, duality can also be seen as a construct of the physical dimension, physical reality, because it's a movement forward. One foot digging in, looks like the bad yeah. guy, the good guy. Oh, now that's the bad guy, the good guy. But when you pan back, you see it's a movement forward. So the duality is really the motor that drives the physical reality. Mm -hmm. Now how you transcend that, how you go into the next dimensional plane, is to be the observer of the two, that, the two feet that are walking, and see the movement forward. So mm -hmm. that's where our power lies. I, I want to also talk about a very important technique, or, or not technique, it's the sparkly eye technique. Um, but it is a technique meaning a way to approach a certain thing. Mm -hmm. I remember one time someone called me and said that they were faced with a pretty big decision. Uh, somebody they knew needed, required some assistance from them, and they thought, well, if I do this, this will open up a whole can of worms, and I may never be able to get away from this again. So I asked them to put their hand over their heart and say, is this on my path to do? And your heart never lies. Your heart always has your best interests at heart. Your heart thinks. It knows. It, it communicates to you constantly. So they did that, put their hand over their heart, and said, no, it's not on my path. And it took a while to get them to say that because of the guilt over I'm supposed to be a good person, and a good person would say yes to this. And I said, well, throw out that have to, supposed to, because not all compassion says yes. That's not always the nature of compassion, as you were bringing up earlier. Mm -hmm. So. She says, no, it's not on my path. And how it turned out was, if she had helped this person, this person never would have had the real solution come to them. It is through these acts of codependency rather than compassion that we prevent people from finding their perfect path. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like you're the only one. And if you're not funded, you can be guaranteed you're not the one to be doing it and that you would be ste stepping in the way of something even better coming along for that other person. Well, another word for codependence is guilt. I mean, it's just that Exactly. Simple. It's a and guilt of lies that exists from outside. The advanced civilization will not be run by guilt. It will be run by passion, not even mm -hmm. compassion, mm -hmm. just passion. What would you love to do with your life? We've asked this for decades. What would, if tomorrow morning you did exactly what you would love to do, what would you do? Well, I wouldn't be getting up tomorrow at any time. Correct. So in about three weeks when you've caught up with your sleep and you get out of bed, then what is it you would choose to do? What would bring you passion to do? And that's a very important factor that virtually nobody ever asks or answers within their own being. Right what would down. you love to do? Yeah, write, write 15 things or 10 things down, even five of what you would love to do. And don't look at it as what would be profitable or marketable. Write down doing crossword puzzles. Write down talking with friends, whatever that may be. Write it down. It's funny, over the years, you've uh, presented the 10 thi 100 things that bring you joy. And yeah. we've, we've done this in many forms over the years. And people find that far more difficult to write down things then that bring them joy like. than 100 <laughs> things they don't like, yes. Oh, we can write that list all day long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. We, we mm -hmm. are defined by what we oppose. So well, oppose be defined having, by yeah. what you love, because it's yeah. my theory that we are defined by our preferences. And it is duck time. Here comes the duck. Here comes the duck. Here's where we won't let go of the duck. Yeah. <laughs>
We like the duck. What'd you get? Ocean dreaming. Ooh, I, I love ocean, so I've been dreaming of the ocean. I got... Well, that's uh, the idea of the ocean being the summation of the family of man on our planet, so that would be planetary dreaming or a whole oneness, human race yeah. consciousness dreaming. Oneness. Yeah, oneness All the oceans dreaming. are connected. It really is one ocean. I know yes. people have told you there's a lot of them, but there's really one. Right. And... Um, that's how we are, too. We've been told that we're a lot of different people, but we're really one. And it's real obvious if you look at a map or look inside, you'll be able to see. I got clearing. And I think clearing, clearing could be reworded to say letting go. That's all clearing is. We think clearing is all this work to go do all this effort and to remove and hire movers and junk yeah. experts. But it's really just opening the hand and letting go. We have a call. Yes. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Mona. Hi, Mona. Mona. Hi. What? This is a great, this is a fantastic show. I'm really enjoying it. Well, Thank good. you. Um, I do have, a, um, was going to ask Mary if I could have a reading tonight. Sure. Be most happy to. I was um, thinking of you earlier. I, I love that necklace that you made for me. And I was looking for it because I was going to wear it tonight because I thought it might go with this. And I, I was in a hurry and I, missed, I didn't locate it. But I was thinking of you, so it's so no lovely to hear from you. Okay, mm -hmm. the first card, the traveling, there's a couple different meanings to this card. One is that we all have our path to walk and, and it leads to our enlightenment. And it may look like it weaves and goes in all these different directions, but it's always right for us and we can never be off of it no matter how much it looks otherwise. I feel that there is a message with this with you and that certain things have seemed like side trips or delays, those dreams where you're attempting to get to school and something keeps interrupting you, but that everywhere you have been and, and go is exactly where you are to be going and that you have influence beyond what you think. That card can literally mean traveling as well. This ordinariness card talks about a change in res residence or an opportunity to buy or sell real estate and that's in this moment. So you may keep your eyes open for that. There might be some opportunities. And it's also at that same time still talking like the card before about living in the moment and seeing what's here for you now. The understanding, breaking free. I feel like there's a great liberation coming either from a financial thing, like getting out from under a loan or an idea or some kind of a commitment that you've been done with for a long time. And this might be the time to hold your hands open and allow the bird to fly away. But thank you. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. And do, do we, we have, have another call? I guess not. Oh, okay. okay. So this is a very good show on the idea of um, yeah. leaving behind the uh, very guilt-ridden, oh, very a uh, world of uh, codependence. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes hi. My name's Ariana. Hi, Ariana. Ariana. What can we How do for you? Um, well, I first off wanted to say I like the show. And Thank you. Often when you do readings, and I know that other callers have commented on this as well, that um, they'll say that it, it surprises them how much it applies to them. Mm -hmm. And that often happens to me. And even a while ago, a caller called in about a dream that, a reoccurring dream that she was having about her locker. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, I have the same reoccurring dream. Da, 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 da. Wow. So you know, that what's in your locker? that we are all one ocean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. What's, that's what's, in, what's in your locker? 
Um, well, I, a few times I have been able to open it, oh. which, which has been like interesting because it's, it's often I can't open it. And sometimes it's just very, very long and almost like a room or it just connects into the classroom that's behind it. I, oh, I, I can't think of mm. any actual things that I've found in there, but I have been able to actually get it open. Wow. Well, that means that you're able to access the unconscious mind. That's what that means. And it's safe to learn, too. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you, mm -hmm. I just feel like uh, when I did that, I, I had this feeling of um, not necessarily knowing that I'm in the dream, but of kind of realizing that I can take control or that I can Yeah, beginning of lucid things. dreaming. So, but I was calling tonight because I was wondering if I could get a reading from Mary. Absolutely. Be most happy to. Yeah, what a great dream. I tell you, um, dreams are so incredible. I, I'm going to be having some dream classes posted online for those that are not in the area to take uh, online mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a recording yeah. because it's so much fun when you learn. Okay, the first card we get is the success card. I love the card. It's beautiful, filled with colors. It's powerful. And it reminds us that the world that we perceive out there really is a construct of us, and we are the masters of it, and it's good to see that. And here is where I feel that you can do anything that you put your mind to, that you can, what external world calls six, being successful, that you can accomplish it. Anything that you put your mind to, and just remember that, because there may come times where it feels like you are ill-equipped or whatever, but you're a really, really good channel. And if it ever looks like you don't have the information you require, that's the time to take a deep breath and relax and know that the answers will be there or the thing that you're looking for will appear in your mind and act as if you already know things, even if you think you don't, and it will come. Right now, the schizophrenia card is about being of split mind, of two minds, yes, no, stop, go. It can also reflect a choice that you may have been having some, um, I would just say, not confusion, but haven't really figured out which direction you want to go and maybe jumping from one to the other. And what the prior cards were saying is how to get through that is to just trust that your feet know where to go and let them take that step and not be so much in the, in the mind about it because the mind has a very finite amount of resources it doesn't know tomorrow like other parts of us do. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. And you, you started that with, I'll, I'll tell you, I believe it was. That would be a great name for a university. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. And That's uh, the George Bush University yeah, yeah, of, yeah. okay, uh, sorry, sorry guys, I don't like to get into politics. I thought it was funny. We okay. have a call? Yes. What's your name, please? Yes, hi, this is Neha. Hi, Neha. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I haven't seen your show in a long time, and I was missing it, so um, I'm glad to see you on TV. Yeah, we're glad, glad you called to be talking with you. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if uh, Mary could give me a reading, please. I would be most happy to. Thank you. And I'd like to remind everybody that you can watch us live online on Thursday nights, 8.30, right there on our website, um, Eastern Time. Okay, the first card, the mind card, can reflect that there were th some things that you had been worried about in the, in the recent past that you run through the mind 
And even though your spirit knows that the mind has its finiteness, like I was just saying, and that picture looks a little creepy, but essentially what it is is depicting the fact that sometimes we treat our mind as a machine and um, can overwork it when that's not its thing to do. And the past lives, I feel what this is saying is that there were some things that you were finishing up from past lives and that that cycle is complete now and that whatever had been going on is over now. And now it's time to be reborn into the next phase of your life and that there may have been things happened so that you would encounter certain people in your life. And now what you're embarking on is that great inner odyssey of the infinite silence which connects you to all things. And if you have the opportunity to be near water, talk about beach dreaming, I think it would be a really wonderful thing for you. Okay. Well, thank you, Neha. It's great to hear your Mm -hmm. voice. We have another? Okay. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Mary. Hi, Neville. This is Wanda from Arkansas. Well, oh, hi. hi. Hey, so glad to talk to you. How are you all doing? You. Thank well, you. Good. It was a great, great, great show. Well, thank you. I would love a reading, Mary. I would be most happy to. I'm so pleased. And I, I'm wondering if you're the, the Wanda from Arkansas that we've told has not gotten through a couple times. So I'm glad if, if I'm glad to have you get through. Well, the first card, the Thunderbolt, what it says, I feel maybe you've gone through some things in the recent past that have been pretty up-shaking, that shakes apart old beliefs. And sometimes we uh, have those things happen in our life to disrupt some old electrical patterns and old beliefs so that we can claim who we really are, like shaking off the water off our backs. And that, that's been a really good thing. And as a result, it's brought out all kinds of ancient wisdom. I feel there's a past life coming through for you, too, as a Native American uh, lady. And I feel that you had grown to a very, very old age and had a lot of experience and wisdom to share. You were even born an ancient one in that life. And you were really ancient by the time you left that incarnation. There was a lot that I feel that you were going to um, pinned down in a book or some kind of rooting it down into humanity to pass along and that's part of one of the reasons you came back in this life. I don't know if you like to write but there's something to do with that and the intensity says that you can do anything you put your mind to. I feel like there's going to be some opportunities coming up for you that will be lucrative and on many different dimensional planes but it may not look like what you think it's going to look like. Okay, thank you. And we only have a couple of minutes left, so let's uh, announce that we're going to be at Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle, provided this is indeed Thursday night. And uh, you're welcome to come and join us at the table there. We're going to be in Cincinnati over the weekend Mm -hmm. um, at the Victory of Light Expo. And we have some classes listed on the web. Uh, Starting in December, we're going to do the opening of the third eye and the throat chakra. And And I'm in the process. Past lives. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of the uh, uh, 11 Self-Empowerment Protocols book, which is now subtitled New Paradigms uh, for the New Civilization. And uh, in other words, uh, all of us, the investment in changing the way in which we think in order to create uh, Mm -hmm. the potential of the potential Mm -hmm. of uh, the planet Earth. I think a good seven generations from now, there will be uh, quite a significant difference. 
Remember K-Pak, uh, the movie with, um, oh, what's his name? Somewhat, yes. Yeah, anyhow, uh, he, he stands up in front of every scientist on the planet Earth and proceeds to cover 17 blackboards with this one equation because that's about average for a four-year-old on my planet. The same way we can count to 20. And I really do have the feeling that there are so, such great things for we, the Is human family. Is joy and honor to take you to the door? Yeah, and you will find your way through it one way or another. And then sooner or later, maybe sooner. Thank you.